welcome to Masters of Divinity. I am your moderator, JP. And uh, I'm here with Chuck. How you doing, man? What's going on, everybody? Uh, Chuck, we have a guest tonight. We, I know. It's, it's, it's nice to welcome him back to the podcast. It's... <laughs> uh, you've probably never heard him on this podcast before. Uh, he comes to us from West Palm Beach. Uh, friend of the podcast, uh, Matt, Matthew Wells. Deputy Matt. Hey. Hey, Matt. Hey, Matt. Glad to have you on the show again. It's been a while. <laughs> I do feel a bit more like a reoccurring guest than I do a, as one of the actual Masters of Divinity. <laughs> no, oh, that's I, right. You're, actually, you're a permanent part of this podcast. I forgot. <laughs> Sorry. Me <no>. too. <laughs> no, as always, I'm here with Father Chuck and Matt Wells. Hello, Masters of Divinity. I'm hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, botched, botched intro. Whatever. I'm not good at beginnings, nor am I good at endings. We know that by now. We're 64 I'm not episodes. Not good at hellos or goodbyes. And I'm just not. See, I'm even sloshing around a drink in front of my microphone, which is so unprofessional. <laughs> you mentioned this was episode 64. We probably should have dedicated this whole episode to the Nintendo 64. Mm. Ooh. The Mario Karts and the the Golden Eyes and the Golden Eye, the Donkey Kong Country. And the uh, and the and the Star, Star Fox. Fox. Oh, I was just talking about Goldeneye with somebody today. That's funny. <laughs> it's a it's a great game. It's a great game. It launched the multiplayer as we know it. I, I'm a I was a huge fan of the um, remote mines. I was good. I was a surgeon uh, with those things. You know, we we always with mines. I don't know. We played what we call paintball rules. <laughs> bring paintball back into it, um, where it was it was all like one shot, one kill. That's the only way we played the game was one shot, one kill. And um, and sometimes when I get mad at my buddy Josh because he memorized the spawn pattern, like the respawn pattern. So if you got shot once, you were just done for like the next hour. Your friend um, sounds like a real jerk. Yeah, Josh, <laughs> I love you. Um, so one of the things we would do when I would get mad at is mad at him is I'd make us play slaps only, <laughs> which is where you have the karate yeah. thing. That 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 junk is fun. I used to think the the crouching option was kind of funny because it's like yeah the guy kneeling on one knee and just kind of slides around on his knee. You know what was a you know what was a great revelation to me when I you know when you you know when you when you first kind of start getting into the internet culture and you start seeing people of your own generation making like you know meme comments about things yeah. and i was so i i felt i my my first real kinship with the wider internet was when i realized that everyone agreed that like no one should be allowed to pick odd job <laughs> That like if, if you picked Oddjob, you were a jerk because Oddjob was shorter than everyone, and so he was like permanently crouched. And then if he crouched uh, again, he was even shorter, and he was the hardest one to shoot. Like but like if you were Jaws, you were giant. Um. Anyway, I was always um, 006. I just had a cool Trevelyan. Yeah, I just had a cool outfit, right? You know, I, you, I was. I... Really? <laughs> um. Were you Natalia? I don't... Really. <laughs> was, really? Were you odd job? <laughs> I, think, I, I, think, I don't, I think care. I don't even Bond. care if I if I was the worst one in the game. There's only one character I would pick playing that game. We're all aware of this. Oh, now we are. So, I mean, <laughs> my son's name is not Odd Job. <laughs> what if it was? <laughs> Random <laughs> task. <laughs> Who throws a shoe? <laughs> 
My oh. son's name is Bond for, for people who don't know that. Bond. Yes, Bond. B-O-N-D. His middle name is James. That's right. <laughs> Natalia. <laughs> and yes, that is a real thing, listeners. My, my, my son is Bond James. Yep. Um, so, uh, James Bond aside, uh, this week's episode, we are dedicating uh, uh, to, to a different kind of hero. Um, uh, I, I wonder who we're going to talk about. Well, uh, Chuck, this hero is, is actually quite uh, uh, wonderful. I woman who it is. Oh wait, I messed that up, didn't I? <laughs> don't, don't, don't Thema scare me. Uh. JP, I'm gonna, what are we here? What are we here? What are we to talk about? Sorry, let me let me rope myself back into the conversation. Oh my gosh, I'm signing off, guys. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> yes, uh, Wonder Woman. The superhero created by the guy who invented the lie detector test. That's actually true. Yeah. Uh, she Her big movie came out last week. And um, there was a big uh, DCWB joint. The fourth movie, right? Yeah. Man yes. of Steel, Batman yes. Superman, Man of Steel, Suicide Squad. Fourth movie in the DC Extended Universe. Or is it Expanded Universe? I don't know what they're calling themselves. Uh, is it Extended Universe or Expanded Universe? I, I, I think they call it the Extended Universe. Okay, the Extended Universe of the DC... Who uh, 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 cares? <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Wow, that is... Okay. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, Wonder Woman came out, and we all saw it, and I will go ahead and say that uh, <laughs> I loved it. Uh, probably the first DC movie that did not... Uh, mystify me, or 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 confuse me, or uh, ups- suck, d- depress me. Okay. <laughs> the first one to make me actually uh, look upon the screen in awe, which is how I feel like I should be feeling when I watch a DC film. And uh, I will say, I did see Man of Steel with you, and you you were into Man of Steel while it was happening. That was that was more of like a. Um, it's it, kind of like when you do LSD for the first time, or at Not least how, how I imagine. One of us have any idea what that's like. <laughs> I, I mean, I, that's how I would imagine it would be like, because I, I I remember I don't know if you remember Chuck, but once the credits started rolling on Man of Steel, I did look to you and be like, "What did I just watch?" That is true. You did. You did. I, <laughs> I do remember that? you. I do. I do remember you also having this like this sort of. Uh, Kind of blown away while also incredulous look on your face as buildings began to topple on the screen. And you, you did look at me and was we both looked at each other like, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I loved Wonder Woman, uh, directed by Patty Jenkins. Matt, did you what did you think? Initial thoughts? I absolutely loved it. Oh, my gosh. <gasps> oh, oh, my. Oh, my Lord. Chuck. Um, however, Chuck, Chuck would like my my highest compliment I could pay it was that it was a DC movie that felt like I was watching a Marvel movie. <laughs> okay, yeah, and and I loved it. I thought it looked like a DC movie, mm-hmm. but it had the heart of a Marvel movie, which is what DC has been lacking. So I thought they stuck true to their their look and the atmosphere that they want their movies to have. 
but they finally caught on to the fact that we actually want to like our characters. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they mixed that into it, and I thought it was great. It was not a copy of Marvel, so I'm still paying them a compliment. I don't think it was like a Marvel ripoff attempt. Right. I just think they finally caught on to the fact that heart is necessary in these movies because otherwise superhero depressing movies just kind of, kind of come across as downers and cheesy to me. Yeah, you have to have a little bit of heart in there. Very good. Um, yeah, I, I really liked it. And uh, I don't know. I loved it. I loved it. Good, good, good. Father Chuck. Father Chuck. Uh, did you did you feel like you were having ice cream for the first time? I actually hated the movie. <laughs> I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right, Matt and Chuck, debate. Go. Hold on. No. First of all, I was choking. Second of all, I did half expect that to be the truth when when I was like, I love this movie. I was like, oh no, Chuck's gonna hate it. <laughs> no, no. Honest to God. Honest to God. I, and as somebody who. I was actually just the other day I was flipping I was scrolling through our 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 timeline on Facebook um uh, our our the, the podcast timeline yeah. and I saw all of my all of my defense of Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice which I will still defend I still enjoy that movie um but Wonder Woman is far and above the best entry that they've had so far um it it was it was it was really I, I, I just I can't say anything else other than what you guys already said. I really liked it. Um, I mean, I love I, I go so far as to say I loved it. Um, and it it did something for me similar to what I thought about with Guardians. Um, and I think I'm in, I think I said um, what I with Guardians in that they've snuck some pretty heavy philosophical stuff. Oh, yeah. Into a popcorn flick where I watched two Greek myths pummel the crap out of each other <laughs> on an airstrip during in, in, in Germany during world war one. Um, surprisingly not even the best part of the movie. Right. Right. Actually. Yeah. I mean, if I can be honest, that was probably the weakest part of the movie. No, I agree. I think so. Um, without I think, a doubt. I think a lot of people do actually. I mean, in a way, I, in a way this movie well, let's get into it. The way this movie reminded me a lot of the first Iron Man, yeah. In that, um, I think the best sequence in the first Iron Man, like I feel like the climactic battle between him and the Iron Monger is a is kind of a letdown. Like I don't like, like I'm kind of like I'm in. I, I kind of want to turn off Iron Man at that point whenever I watch it. But yeah. when he goes to Afghanistan um, and disarms all those all those insurgents, that part is awesome. Oh yeah, like, awesome. And I sort of feel the same kind of thing that, like, in this movie, the second act where she – especially when she, when she crosses no man's land, which, of course, is going to be the part that everyone's going to talk about yes. in, in this movie, um, is the, the highlight. Um, and that the actual big com- climactic battle is sort of a sort of a letdown right. in some ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just, I, I, I agree with that on both fronts, both about Iron Man and about this movie. Um, and I think this movie will be a lot like that one in the sense that the first time you saw it, the, the final battle was a bit of a letdown, but it works. It fits. You still enjoy it. But it, when you go back and keep rewatching the movie, I agree with you. I kind of hit a point where, like, I don't care about that final battle anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the journey getting to it. 
and I feel like this movie is like very similar. Same thing you said. And yes, that is my all time favorite scene. No, no questions asked. Um, is when she she marches out on that battlefield. Oh, love it. Oh, yeah. But and it's uh, the first time you see the costume and all of that, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, it's the whole thing was it was just done so so well, and I'm I'm really hoping because I you know. I, I went back and I don't know if you remember, but I went back and rewatched the the Batman v Superman after I said how horrible it was. <laughs> I went back and rewatched it, and I was like, you know what? I have to admit, the second time I saw it, I didn't hate it. I still don't like it, but I didn't hate it anymore. But what I can say is, I left this movie and I called JP and I was like, all right, if you had any doubt about how bad Batman v Superman was, try and watch it after you just finished Wonder Woman. Yeah. Like this movie was so incredible that it shows how far I feel like they've been missing so far. Even her, I said even her part, which in my opinion is the highlight of Batman v Superman is when Wonder Woman shows up. Um, but it falls flat very quickly. Um, but you get this glimpse. I said, when she comes out, there's like this glimpse of, uh, almost a different movie where they're like, I thought she was with you. There's like almost this comical mo- moment in right. a movie that's otherwise nothing but a downer. Um, but that movie just, uh, it's so horrible compared to this one. This one is so amazing. I'm really hoping that they learn from this one. No, Chuck no. wants to fight you right now. <laughs> no, 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 no. Here's what I'm going to say is, no, I I can understand why people don't like Batman vs. Superman. I like that movie. Um, I think its biggest problem is editing, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, no, um, I agree. You I, want to talk, talk about horrible, Matt? Horrible? Watch Suicide Squad. <laughs> oh no, I can't watch it anymore. I that agree. movie is so bad. It is so I bad. Agree. And I just, we we, we were so easy week. on it on this podcast. <laughs> what did you say? We were so easy on it on this podcast. I, well, I kind of defended it the first time I saw it because at least it, it, it attempted to be fun. But yeah. then I tried watching it again, and yeah, no, it's it's bad. <laughs> it's really bad. It's really bad. I feel like. See, I feel like Batman v Superman, I agree with you, Chuck. I 100% agree with you that the only reason I can't stand that movie is editing. But the problem is it's the entire movie is edited so poorly I can't stand the movie. Um, I agree with you. That's the fault. It's It's not the concept. It's not the characters. It's not the scenes in the movie if you play each individual scene separately. It's not like a scene can be pointed at and go like, okay, here's what they did wrong. It's the way that they mashed those scenes together in this mess of a trailer for Justice League that it, it just was awful. Um, but that one was like the attempt at the right look, the right atmosphere, because DC definitely has that with Man of Steel, with uh, Batman v Superman. I, I, I like to refer to it as the, you know, they're still going for that 300 look. Um, right. The look was good in Batman v Superman. I liked the look. But mixed with the horrible editing and stuff was just awful. And then Suicide Squad attempted the humor with at the expense of completely, once again, neglecting story and character. And it's just a horrible mess. That's another one. They had the humor. And then they finally have a movie that has the right look, is edited in a way that actually makes sense and flows and goes together. Um, the music, which is very similar to their other movies, works because the movie's so good that their music finally makes sense and doesn't just sound like an ominous mess. It actually enhances the movie. Uh, um, but then the characters have heart. 
Like, Chris Pine's character is something that does not exist in the DC universe. That type of a character um, does not exist until now. The sense of humor, the wit, the joking, it's completely lacking in every other DC movie leading up to this. And I feel like their interactions, the way that they actually have, like, this heart involved where you actually care about these characters with her and him, and not together. I mean her and him separately. You actually care about these characters. It's not like some desperate attempt to have this love story run the movie. Mm -hmm. It's just two characters that you actually love as characters. Um, The secretary, his secretary, Uh, love her. She Uh, cracks Do you you guys recognize her at all? I I didn't. She is uh, Diane from Shaun of the Dead, the actress. Oh. (laughs) Who teaches him how to walk like zombies. But that makes so much sense. But what I'll say is this, and then I'll, and then I'll, and then I'll stop so other people can actually talk. But with having characters who I actually cared about, who actually had heart and a little humor to them in a way that wasn't just thrown in to be comic relief, like the Suicide Squad movie, but was just actually came across as genuine. Right. Then to have the look of Batman v Superman, so that ominous, dark look mixed with these characters that are so hopeful and bright worked in a way that I think finally shows that DC has a chance in this race against Marvel where they can have the heart of Marvel with a look that actually adds to the drama. Like the, the aesthetic look to wonder woman mixed with these characters, that dark 300-style look mixed with these characters that we actually care about created this whole different, like, reaction from me as a viewer. And especially that scene we are saying was so good, the the scene where she's crossing the battlefield in the outfit for the first time. Yeah. Well, what's what, 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 two things what you're talking made me think of it is um, when, her, when Hippolyta is telling the story of the Greek gods... Um, that was awesome. To, um, if you if you look, um, there's a sequence where it shows like Ares stirring up man to be warriors. You can see the um, you can see the uh, the Spartans. What look like the Spartans from 300 in that sequence. Oh, yeah. um, I thought that was kind of a little neat little wink. But the other thing I thought was kind of cool is that Themyscira is bright and beautiful. The water is very blue and 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 like it's a lot of color. And then as soon as they cross the barrier is where it's all that, that grungy, washed-out Zack Snyder it's, aesthetic. And I thought I thought it actually added something to it, that the world of men is grungy. And- I, watched, I watched a movie that has nothing to do with this one that I just happened to watch with my kids for their first time the other day that fits so perfectly with what you're saying in a reverse, um, and that's Wizard of Oz. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm watching that with the kids, and it goes from the black and white. They cross over to Oz, and all of a sudden, it's color. Uh, CGI, this movie kind of this movie starts us, if you will, in like Oz, and then takes you to the black and white. Um, sepia. And uh, it what? It's actually sepia tone in Wizard of Oz. Yeah, I got so it. It's not shut, shut your face. <laughs> um, my point. No, no, rotted on my my point. Um, but yeah, I think that's something that this movie does. It's kind of got that same effect, except it takes us from this bright, hopeful land and then pulls you backwards into the the darkness and the, the despair with a world war going on. Like, and, and, Yeah, 
can I just say, I feel like, and I, I told you this, Matt, and, you know, I was tell, talking about, we were talking about Guardians of the Galaxy and how the music that exists in it uh, exists within a dramatic reason. Um, I feel that sort of dark atmosphere that was created, the sort of dark and, and ominous atmosphere that was created, did exist, like, I think for the first time in the DC universe with a very, very dramatic reason. It's because mm-hmm. of, uh, of World War One, the Great War. And, right. uh, you know, and, you know, Europe during that time, like, it, it, it was just, just a horrible mess. Like, it was gross. And um, actually, I want to talk a lot about, like, the use of World War One, which was probably, like, the probably, like, the whole reason they, they chose World War One is because World War II was taken by Captain America. But then it ended <laughs> up being, like, a really profound statement about war and well, stuff. Yeah, well, and I think also, I mean, in a lot of ways, like the, the World War II is very American. Like that's that's our war. Like we we think of we think of World War II as like ours, but like World War One, the effects are still being felt in Europe. Yeah. Um, you know, and and some people, some historians argue that it's really just one long prolonged war. It shouldn't really be seen as World War One or World War Two. That it's all it all flows into everything. That, um, but. Like, I mean, when, 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 when Steve Rogers gives you, or Steve Rogers, um, Steve <laughs> Trevor, Steve Trevor. <laughs> gives you the statistics and he says, you know, 25 million dead. Um, I mean, that's just a lot of people, you know, I mean, just, yeah. just the, the, hearing that number, I just, in the theater, I'm like, wow. Like, I mean, I knew, I know, I know World War One is an ugly thing, but like America was barely involved in it. We came in at the very end of the war yeah, and it's essentially and, what made us isolationists <laughs> because it was so awful. Right. And like and like so, you know, it doesn't in American culture, we just don't have as much like we just don't have as much about it because it's just not as much of a cultural touchstone for us as World War Two is, you know. Yeah. Not Um, a lot of propaganda outside of, you know, like Sergeant York. Right. Um, Yeah. Go ahead. And so um, and so I think it was a really smart choice because I think while World War Two, I don't I, I feel like I feel like. World War One was was a global war in a different sense than World War Two. Yeah. World War Two was these, you know, these. I mean, World War One kind of marked the end of like kingdoms, you know, because like everything was it was the birth of nation states, you right. know, a lot more, and and like it, it just had a bigger, it had a much bigger revolution on, you know, there's like the two things that got us into the, that sort of dealt with the industrial age was the sinking of the Titanic and world war one. Yeah. And, um, and this whole, and of course the narrative of it being the war to end all wars. Right. Um, and people looking at it at, at the time as having apocalyptic overtones, thinking that it really was the battle of Armageddon and that yeah. this was going to be the end of the world. And so to bring wonder woman into that makes a lot more sense than it would have been for world war two. Yeah, totally. You know, it's a war that that kind of created. Uh, you know what? I'm, this is coming from uh, a textbook from our Christian college, so I don't know if it's true, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, but uh, what I learned was that World War One was actually what brought in the idea of like postmodern thought and um, that kind of trauma associated with it. Like a lot of people started to uh, existentialism. It, it 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 introduced it, it did more to introduce modernism than modernism modern. modernism and like existential thought and things like that uh, and yeah. also because a lot of writers were involved a lot of the 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 quote you know lost generation of Ernest Hemingway and and his ilk um, 
who are involved in it. And, uh, you know, it was, I mean, like the war is happening in like people's backyards and stuff, like on farmers' fields. And it's like the first like modern war because people like they were still using horses, but it was also like you, they were still also using like artillery and stuff. It was the first kind right. of war that was like that. And the trench warfare, oh gosh, it was so terrible. And well, it, I, I, under, I understand that like even the area of no, I, I, there's areas of France in between the trenches yeah. where you still can't go because yeah, there are there are too many unexploded munitions and they're worried and every now and then somebody like tries to farm or do something there and blows something up and dies <laughs> like terrible. it's just still it's a it's hundred plus years yeah so and it's still going kind of still affecting us yeah Crazy. so it, it's it's kind of a happy miracle that they used world war one as a setting because when you bring in diana who is this really empathetic character uh who is basically learning about love. Like people didn't <laughs> at the end of World War One, love was not on everybody's mind. It was it was like horrible. So it, bringing her into that setting, you're right, is 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 pretty profound. Um, also, just a side note, she's I, I just thinking about it. She's the first. She's the first. Um, correct me if I'm wrong in the JP, but I think she she's the first um, headlining superhero picture where the the protagonist is not american like uh i think you're right. Super, superman's american batman's american all the avengers are american the only other person in the avengers thing that's not american is um is um black panther right um yeah, i guess yeah. she never I mean, touches I american soil yeah i guess well i guess i guess technically logan is canadian <laughs> no but i'm what i'm getting at is that is that um is that um, she's 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 a global figure, right? And you know, even using an Israeli actress adds to that fact that she's not American, right? She's not an American icon because she's from another realm. Yeah, and and so I thought also, uh, World War One is good for that because again, globe the bigger global thing. You know, if you get into World War Two, it's going to turn into, you know, her siding with the allies, right. you know, and everything. And you get this sense, what you get this sense of her, huh? Which is her origin in the comics. Right. Um, but in world war having her, in, I mean, you even get the sense in this movie that she, she's sympathetic to the Germans too. They're all twisted. That's her whole thing. All of yeah. humanity is twisted. Yeah. By, you know, that their innocence twisted in by, 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 by a thing. So anyway, there's a lot we can talk about. I, I don't, so we'll, we'll move on. <laughs> um, so I mentioned what you guys think about, uh, Wonder Woman, Diana, uh, her, her character. How do you see her? Like, this is her first big movie. Like, this is so it's like on the scale of like, you know, Tim Burton's Batman, Richard Donner's Superman the movie. How does she differentiate? Like, how how, how is she different from every other superhero that's come before her? Well, I, I, what, what I appreciate about it is they let her be somewhat naive she's obviously very strong and she has some wisdom and things like that, but she's also naive. Um, and, and, you know, it's not like, it's not like Superman where, you know, Superman, Superman has all the answers. Richard Donner's Superman is, you know, he's, he's got it all, you know, there's no doubt. There's no anything like that. Um, Burton's Batman is of course more of a psychological study and he's, you know, that's, that's, you know he's, but yeah. So I think I I I I'm intriguing the fact that they let Diana be, like she's idealistic, but 
somewhat naive, but that naive, but that naivete never like gets undone in a sense, like in a way it kind of does, but it becomes like part of her strength, like, because it's, it's sort of her, it's sort of her innocence Mm -hmm. that she's got it. She's got an innocence to her. She's not, she's not like this, you know, world weary kind of person or like, you know, she's not like, here's the moral right always. And this is what we're going to do kind of behavior, you know, sort of the big blue boy scout concept of Superman. She's more of like, uh, you know, she's, she's just sort of like, we've, we've, we've got to stop this. Like we have to do this. And of course she's, she's an embodiment of love yeah. and she, you know, that, and that's really the, the piece I think that, that, that makes her very unique is, is her, is her being her embodiment of love. Right. Um, yeah. Matt. Um, ditto. Work, <laughs> yes. But <laughs> I mean, just well said. I think that we could we could point out the very obvious, um, glaring obvious statement that you keep saying she and her. Yeah. When <laughs> all these other superhero movies are Batman, Superman, Iron Man, Spider Man. Um, so Blade I, Man. Oh wait. Point that out. And I think that there's been there has been movies in the past with female leads, but I don't think it was ever treated this way. Yeah, Supergirl um, sucks. <laughs> the the movie, uh, yeah, the the TV show is pretty good. Yeah, um, but I the movie, that. yeah, the old Supergirl movie. Oh man! <laughs> hey, I loved that. I loved that movie as a child, <laughs> and I've not seen it since. But um, yeah, the I, problem is I've I seen developed a huge crush on Helen Slater. Huge crush. Yeah. Yeah, see, dude. see, I liked it when I was a kid too. The problem is I have seen it since. Um, yeah. Just don't watch it again. Just okay. Keep it um, then there's like joyous forays into horrible nonsense we won't even begin to talk about, like movies called Catwoman. Oh, Electra. Um, so yeah, I think that to we we could start with that. Um, it's Wonder Woman, yeah. and it is a movie treated incredibly. Um, it's a beautifully directed movie which hey guess what female director yeah um, patty jenkins and, she did an awesome and job. uh so yeah i think that we we would be remiss not to state the obvious that that every other movie you've talked about and mentioned are male leads and although there are some great uh female superhero characters in these movies like um like you know, Black um, Widow and Scarlet Witch are some incredible characters, but they're, they're only they've been treated as supporting. Yeah. Um, so this has been a great example of how that's not necessary and how it shouldn't be necessary. <laughs> that they they can have her run a movie that is it's just a great movie. It's great all around. Well, great. And and also what I enjoy about the movie is how that is that's clearly like that's clearly a subtext of the movie like it's an unavoidable subtext um is is her is her is her is her gender um oh yeah but it's never like i never once felt like it was like something that that that, that is being that we're being browbeaten with oh no not you know? at all and which which makes the which makes the whole like the whole man baby contingent who've been crying over this whole thing, all the more hilarious to me. Um, because it, you know, it deals with all of this stuff in a very, 
in a very um very nuanced way but in a way that's like it's just it, it exposes the silliness of patriarchy you <laughs> know yeah. i mean it does a really with 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 those brief sequence with that with that with that little scene that whole set the whole sequence that takes place in london it manages to completely like expose the complete silliness right. of patriarchy. Like when she walks into the part, when she walks into parliament or whatever, and they're like, there's a woman in here. And like suddenly they can't conduct business yeah. because someone with a uterus walked in the room. Like, I mean, just hilarious to me. <laughs> um, and you know, that, that actually kind of brings up like Steve Trevor uh, for me. Like, I'm glad that he wasn't like, so, um, representative of like the horribleness of of like like of a patriarchy mm-hmm. um like the scene that always really sticks out to me the most is when she saves him for the first time um in the alleyway oh yeah his like in, i feel like in any other movie it would have been like he would have been like offended by it you know what i mean right or it would have or he would have been like so like capitulating like, to it like oh girls can do this too or like or like emasculated or something but he was yeah. like Whoa, yeah, it would either awesome. be, it would either right. It would either be like he was emasculated by it, or he was patronizing to her over it. Yeah, like it was a huge surprise. Like, oh, I can't believe women can do good things. Right, <laughs> right. That's it. Yeah, that's. I'm, I'm so glad you said because that's the thing about the movie that's great is at no point. It, I mean, it's a subtext yeah. about like, oh, here's a woman doing all this stuff, but at no point do they say like, look, women can do it too. Right. Like it's it, just it's a statement of fact. Like I could go through the. there's like a whole series of movies where it's like someone is being totally badass and they take off a mask and it's a woman, you know? Right. Or like, it's not necessarily like something like that, but that happens a lot in movies. Like you look at the eighties and nineties and stuff and action movies and women start to take more action roles. It's always like a big surprise that they can like handle themselves. Well, I just think of just because I've been playing legend of Zelda so much. I think of Ocarina of time with the character of Sheik. Yeah. Where it's like this ninja character throughout the game, and then suddenly it's like, oh, surprise! It's yeah. Princess Zelda. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know that that scene. Um, I wish I, we could devote like a whole episode to Steve Trevor because I think he might be like one of my all-time favorite characters. Can, can we we could just talk about Chris Pine? <laughs> Dude, right. Chris Pine. Mm-hmm. Mm, more like Chris Fine. I always say it. You know, and it, it's really it's it's really driven home in this one. I mean, what's funny is he oh, can I just point out, too, that um, it just dawned on me that because reading reviews and stuff, people point out that this movie doesn't have any like there's there's very limited like the male gaze, you know, like there's no yeah. like lingering shots of like of like Diana's butt and stuff like that. But like you you get that with Steve like he's he's the only one who appears like he's naked in the yeah, movie and it's and it's played up for and it's played up for eye candy purposes yeah and it's really funny cuz she's not like embarrassed and she's not like right. all coy about it yeah. she's like all right whatever yeah <laughs> what did you guys think of the scene like where Steve Trevor sacrifices himself at the end spoiler alert um yeah the spoiler yeah. by the way <laughs> That that whole the whole narrative of the movie about the idea of sacrificing for the sake of the you know the the, the it was, honestly it was a very Star Trek thing um, <laughs> Captain Kirk um, the the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few and he recognized that like if by him dying he could end this war mm-hmm. and like 
and that's his whole mission, right? His whole mission is to stop this poison, right? This poison gas from doing what it, what it, what, what, um, what they want it to do. And he's never completely convinced that the whole movie, whether or not Aries is a real thing or whatever. And so that's his whole driving thing is he knows like, like Diana's convinced that if she stops Aries, she stops the war. Right. He is convinced that if he stops this gas, he at least like saves a bunch of lives. Like he knows it's not going to necessarily stop the war, but it's definitely a major gesture in it. And so he, they both get to kind they both get to do the thing they set out to do. Right. Um, and, but that whole thing about he, that, that, that selfless sacrifice piece and that, 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 that drives home an important lesson to her that, um, um, anti, Antiony, right. Is it Antiony? Um, Oh, her, the, uh, her mentor. Yeah. Her aunt. Yeah, I think it's Antiope. I think it's, uh, is it an- Antiope? <laughs> These Antiope. 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 Okay, yeah, yeah. Antiope. That's it. Um, <laughs> Antiope. Um, um, Antiope, um, you know, she sacrifices herself for Diana. Right. In the beginning. And that, that opens it up for her. But then she, you know, but then there's also, you know, she sees, you know, a man, the world of man who is supposed to be corrupt and they're supposed to be wicked and, you know, whatever. Um, and even Steve Trevor says that he says, you know, I am, we're all messed up, you know? Right. Um, and I can get into a Christian thing with this, you know, we're all sinners, you know, all have fallen short. None of, none of, you know, it's, it's, it's Romans. Um, but then he's still in the midst of his wickedness, in the midst of his sinfulness, he, he does an act of self-sacrifice and it reminds her of the importance of, of love and sacrifice and that it's not about subduing you know, and like, and it reminds you even of what her mother says when she's a child that, you know, there are, you know, it's, it's not just about fighting. It's not fighting that makes you a hero or killing that makes you a hero. Hmm. And, and, you know, and, and so, so that, that, that has an impact on her. Uh, I, I hate to do this to you, Chip. Uh, but it was very reminiscent of, uh, the season five finale of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, because the way the scene played out played out the exact same way in Buffy. Uh, there's a part where he says something to her, but we we don't hear it, and he gets in the plane and he sacrifices himself. The same, and, and then they flash back to before he before he kills himself or sacrifices himself. They flash back to what he said. He, he tells her that you know I love you, and gives her the the the, the watch. And Buffy, yeah. the exact same thing happens because Don. Was about to be sacrificed. They're going to throw her. She had to be like thrown into the portals or something. It's been a while since I watched this episode. But uh, since Buffy has the same blood as Dawn, if she threw herself into the portal, she would close it. And so there's a part where you see Buffy talking to Dawn. And then she just runs off into the portal. But then like they flash back to what she was telling her as she was sacrificing herself. So that's like it's it's like it's 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 literally Buffy. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Okay, uh, and <laughs> just saying, I thought it was interesting. You just pointed out. Okay, it's a, it's a, it, it's, it's, it's an effective, it's an effective uh, 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 method of storytelling. That's all. <laughs> I didn't know they were gonna, they were ever gonna let us hear what he said. I thought it was been kind of bold if they just let his words not be heard and just like let his gestures speak. Um, and I was thinking about the end of Lost in Translation. I was like, I wonder how many people can try to figure out what he's saying. <laughs> um. What did you guys think about uh, some of the other characters in the movie, um, especially the, the little uh, the the crew? 
the, the, the not Howling Commandos. Yeah, which, by the way, which, real quick, I'm really glad that they kept that crew very small. Yeah. Because a lot of movies will make the mistake, like, you know, Howling Commandos, the characters are very, very, very distinct from one another. But a lot of movies, I feel like if DC tried to add on to more that, like, you just kind of get lost in it, like, you wouldn't be able to tell who's who. So just having, like, a, just like a small handful of characters I thought was a really good idea. They were very yeah. distinct. And um, according to some stuff I've read online, there's there's pretty good um, there's some pretty good um, um, some deep cut to that that they they may be evocative of the losers, which were a World War II military group that was in DC Comics oh, really? or like one yeah um, things, which a few folks think that that's all evidence of Jeff Johns's creative input because um, he loves taking like obscure ancillary characters and making them into things. Yeah. Um, also, um, a, a number of things have been commented on whether or not, um, the chief is meant to represent Apache chief from super friends, which <laughs> yeah. I think is totally cool. Um, even though the guy, even though the chief, I would have to look at the beads on his necklace a little bit more, but he might be in more Navajo. And there was a character in the losers called the chief who was a Navajo, okay. um, pilot but i really liked those characters i liked how they were losers in a sense like charlie you know he 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 really can't shoot um i love that and yeah and like um and then samir um or zamir is that his name zamir samir samir um and how like and I like. And by the way, I just like. I like. I like the little. The little nods to like the prejudice and racism of the day. They just yeah. acknowledge it. You know, there's never like a big thing about like. You know, him talking about how he wants to be an actor. He's just the wrong color. Mm-hmm. Which, I'm sitting there now, and I'm thinking of people like Azin Zanzari and like oh, um, no. Camille, whatever his name is. Like all these yeah, people that. They, they, yeah, that like you know these great um and um and, um Hassan Minaj and other these great comedians and actors that are that are of Middle Eastern and you know Arabic ethnicity or whatnot and like Pakistani. yeah sorry indian pakistani <laughs> ethnicity um and just being like how crazy is it that like that was the world i know it looked, yeah um but um and then of course the, the the little aside about when the chief talks about how his land was taken from him and she's like well who took your land and he was like his people and not, i know and, not- and it's so weird like while we were watching this movie and like uh I mean, while I was watching the movie and and Chris Pine was talking about, um, like, they were the good guys and stuff. I can't remember exactly. But I was always, I was kind of imagining my head because they had, like, a they had the chief with them. Like, the think pieces that are going to be made for not acknowledging, like, America took the chief's land. And the, but then, like, he, he tells her. Yeah. He, yeah. I was like, oh, wow, they actually incorporated it. Oh, my gosh, that's kind of cool. <laughs> right. And that's and that's and that's the thing, too, that I love about is the is the complexity of all these characters. I mean, they're flawed and they're allowed to be flawed. Yeah. Um, and it just and it and just she, opened up. She embraces him regardless, because when Char- Charlie's like, he, he's a crappy shooter, but he's like, because they're going to go on their mission. He's like, I can't come along. And she was she's like, who's who will sing for us? Well, Diana is completely is completely cast as a Christ figure in this movie. Yeah. I mean, without a doubt, she's a Christ figure. She's not the Virgin Mary. Um, what's What's interesting to me because going back to our Mary episode is, um, you know, Patty Jenkins obviously I'm sure is is very is very is very aware of the Western literary tradition of either the of the Madonna whore. Oh, I'm um, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paradox, or whatever, and she's clearly playing with it while subverting it, and the fact that that Diana is wearing like a dark blue hooded cloak yeah. throughout Europe 
um, traditional Christian iconography um, has Mary wearing a dark blue hooded cloak. Not really. So there's sort of this sense that like the like the West is expecting Diana to be the Virgin Mary, hmm. but she's not going to be the Virgin Mary. But she's also not going to be a whore. Yeah, she's going to be Christ because that's and that's I mean because she's she's the child of the supreme God right. who was created to defeat the evil God and you know whatever and she winds up loving humanity and it's love that defines her and it's all about you know whatever and Ares is cast as the trickster devil character and they by using the Perez design of his costume he looks more like Satan than any than 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 he otherwise might. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I just I you know so so that 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 the stuff that's going on at that level I think is really cool in the movie yeah um and um and yeah so Diana's Jesus and so she of course so she 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 embraces these people in their flaws they're they're her community they're her people right and you know I think one of my favorite moments in the movie is when Charlie says that he's going to leave and she says ah oh, well who will sing for us yeah. Which is just like that's so touching. I know, like it, it, she just generally loves everybody, right? And it's like it's such a, uh, it's it's such a it's such a subversion of of like any other action movie. You know, they just any other action movie would have made Charlie just like just just a badass, or like right. a, a, it was like a flaw he overcame and then became great all of a sudden because of something she taught him. It's like no, we need you because we love you. Yeah, it's not your skill. It's not your usefulness. It's yeah. because it's you. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I think those characters are really great. Um, I loved Charlie and Samir and the Chief. and uh, Etta is so funny. I loved her so much. Um, again, played by Lucy Davis, who's a, an Edgar Wright actress, a regular. And I like that she got to use the sword. <laughs> yeah. For a brief uh, moment. Oh, so apparently the uh, I read this today the uh, the ice cream scene uh-huh. where she tries ice cream for the first time. Apparently that's like right out of the comics. Oh, interesting. Out of the new Fifty Two comics. Oh, that I, you know what I think I may have read that. And apparently it's it's, it's also kind of like kind of word for word where she tells the guy who sells it to her like you should be proud of this achievement. Yeah, because if I I think it's from the Superman. Now I'm going to look back at my old issues because it could be from it might be from Superman Wonder Woman where they're a couple and um, part of what Superman's doing in this is getting Diana to understand that like she can have a life if she has a secret identity and um, and so yeah so he's so she's walking around like as a normal person and people are like yeah <laughs> it might be it might be from that yeah. but yeah. I, I also appreciate that they let her go nuts over a baby. Yeah. <laughs> because honestly, like, I, I, I thought that that would have been something that would have spawned like a thousand think pieces being like, oh, the female superheroes got to love babies. But it's like with all the other stuff going on with her, they also let like it's not like they go the opposite direction to where she's like. Not going to pay attention to something cute and adorable. Right. It's I you think it's what? I think it's 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 sort of a kind of a self-awareness thing because it also i think like that scene where she's sort of like experiencing london for the first time it also mirrors when they go into the trenches for the first time and she like wants to help everybody right you know because it's just it's just her personality like she 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 is an empathetic character she like she's full of empathy she has to interact and, and 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 help and you know be there for people and experience yeah. things. 
Um, what else? Oh, the uh, what did you guys think about like the villains? And we've kind of talked about the the Ares fight and how it's a kind of kind of disappointing. Um, did you know that? Uh, like, did you have a feeling that Danny Houston was not going to be Ares and it was actually a uh, uh, Remus Lupin? I I actually did not know that that was going to happen. I, I was actually legitimately surprised by the twist. Um, yeah. I had a feeling they were playing it either way that like I actually thought when she killed the guy and it turned out that he wasn't Ares. Yeah. That that was going to be it. Oh. That or or Ares was just going to show up as like a supernatural being. I had no idea that he was actually going to be embodied in another character. And so I was legit. I was legit surprised when they revealed that. Yeah. Um, and, um, and I liked that. It, it, it reminded me sort of of what they did with Iron Man three. Um, and I think this was a little more effective. I think this is a little more effective than what they did with Iron Man three. Well, it doesn't, it it didn't make people as mad. (laughs) A lot of people are really upset about what happened in Iron Man three. I mean, I I loved it. I thought it was great because I didn't see it coming at all. Well, I think the reason why people are so mad about, about Iron Man three is that, that depiction of the Mandarin on the on screen was so compelling and yeah. so like sinister and and everything. This like sort of blow it on a sort of a gag yeah. was. I, mean, that's, I think people are more mad about the gag than they were about the reveal that the other guy is the Mandarin or whatever. Yeah. But um, but no, I I, I thought I liked I, I thought the twist work. I really loved the character design on Poison. I did too. The, like I like I love that she has this like clearly like this this like porcelain like these porcelain prosthetics on her face. Yeah. But they and but they never explain how she got them. You just sort of let to think that she probably got you know, she probably injured herself during her own like experimentation or whatever. Right. And that she's 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 sort of like a she's clearly some form of a she's a monstrous person, mm-hmm. but she's vain enough. To where she cares about her appearance, like I just thought that was just little touches like that made her just a very compelling and interesting villain character. And I and I would I, I kind of wish there was more of her in the movie. Yeah, I did too, Matt. Because she's kind of a Bond henchman, right? Bond, right, right, Matt. She's sort of like a Bond henchman. Yeah. You literally like I've got nothing left to say by the time Chuck's done talking. Even he even went back to Bond. Come on. Were you going to go to Bond? Steal? No, just steal everything that I could possibly think about. Uh, no, she, I just totally agree with you. Yeah, no, whatever. Everything you said. She reminded yeah, me of like... The villains, the villains were okay. I liked her more than the main guy. I was surprised by the twist, only in the fact that I knew it wasn't him, but was surprised that it turned out to be another person. Exactly what he said. What have been laying up there? Okay. I want to kick him in the head. That's That's why I'm not in the room with you. That's why you're not in the room with me tonight. I got it, yeah. Does her theme song, her theme, her music make you think of anything? It gets another song stuck in my head every time I hear it. Which Immigrant one? Song by Led Zeppelin? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I I have a theory. I have a theory that that's that it why. Is, that it's inspired by that? I have a theory, yeah. But I also have a theory that that's why Thor Ragnarok's trailer uses Immigrant Song. Oh, interesting. Oh, like... Yeah, but I mean, it even talks because it. Well, I mean, it talks more about like a Thor idea in Immigrant Song with the Hammer of the Gods and all that stuff. But yeah, it makes more sense. Well, cracked, cracked, uh, cracked. dot com. Um, around the time of Batman vs Superman, um, they had a, they had a, they had a, 
like an image still from the movie with Wonder Woman. And it had a, the caption was a hyperlink that said play for full effect. And you clicked on it and it played um, Immigrant Song, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. Okay, I just haven't. I've heard nobody talk about it, and I'm like, it's every time I hear her theme, it gets the other song stuck in my head every time. Oh yeah, no, totally. I'm I'm completely in agreement with you on this one, Matt. Hmm. It never occurred to me, to be honest. I like it. Okay, well, yeah, I, 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 I can I can I can see that. Oh no, I like her theme. It just it gets the other one stuck in my head every single time, every time. Um, yeah, I I like her theme a lot. I I liked. I mean, out of the villains, I think I like Doctor Poison the most. She actually really reminded me of like, uh, like old serial villains. I mean, just the fact that she's called Doctor Poison, right? <laughs> and there was there was a, there's a part where it's a very brief shot where she's looking through the window when he when um, Danny Houston Ludengorff I guess kills a bunch of people, right? And she's like outside the door watching everything. Through the window, yeah. there's a part where she like laughs because she kind of she kind of cackles, and she like yeah. tines her fist. I'm like that is so that is so like 1940s like serial like, I love it. I love little cheesy stuff like that, and I don't mean cheesy in a bad way. Patty Jenkins, don't because yeah, she's been saying that. Uh, did you guys see that quote from her by the way? That she doesn't like the word cheesy or whatever. Yeah. I bet she like she prefers sincere or whatever. Yeah. I mean cheesy in a good way, like the cheesy stuff that that I like. <laughs> right, right. Um. I just thought that was cool. Little little touches that I like, little nuances that I like. So, guys, just kind of overall, I was deeply moved by this movie. There's a lot of imagery that happened that kind of really like touched me, and it was I can think of at least a few moments that I really truly loved. One was when you first reveal the Amazons of Themyscira. Something about that was like. It felt it's not not that not not that it evoked the same imagery, but it evoked the same feelings. So when I saw Jurassic Park for the first time when I was a kid, when they watched the helicopter flying fly into the island, it, it felt like that kind of moment for me when you saw the Amazons like you know practicing with each other and stuff and hanging out. Um, that really touched me because it's something that we we don't see, which is like nothing but women occupying the screen in an, in like a non-sexual way. <laughs> right. You know, done right basically as people. Um and then there is the scene of course No Man's Land when she's walking through the trenches and she's her her heart is breaking over all these people that she's seeing that are in pain and they tell her to stay put. Right. And she's like, "Uh-uh." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and like, I love that moment where her head just disappears for a minute. You're like, what is she doing? She's like, and she looks up and she has her, her headband on or what is that piece called? I don't really know what that's called. It's not a tiara. Uh, no, but headband. Sure. Yeah. And then she walks up into no man's land. Such a powerful moment. And then, um, my theater, I saw it. So I saw it on a Tuesday night yeah. and my theater went nuts at that moment. It's amazing. Um, and then, of course, at the end, really touched me that she said that she had learned that, like, love will save the world. Right. And, and um, I read online, since I've seen this movie, uh, apparently there's like an old saying that, like, if you want to stop an asteroid, you call it Superman. If you want to solve a mystery, you call it Batman. But if you want to end a war, you call it Wonder Woman. And I feel like there's a whole new dimension that is brought to the superhero 
genre. And I don't mean a dimension the same way Marvel's kind of experimenting, where they're experimenting with, like, different genres. You know, like, Guardians is space opera. Captain America is, like, thriller political stuff. That's not what I mean. I mean, like, the actual traditional um, superhero genre. Uh, but told in a completely different new way cinematically yeah and it's because of her character who she is and um well she takes i mean she takes a defensive posture to beat the bad guy right and it's like it's it's because of she didn't have to 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 endure some kind of trauma yeah she didn't have to uh she's just who she is she was raised to be this person yeah, I mean, Antiope dies, and that's sort of a personal trauma. And that's, then Steve Trevor dies, and that's also a personal trauma. But yeah, but it's not like <laughs> it's not what it didn't turn. That's not what. But it, that those 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 traumatic moments didn't turn her into a superhero. Is what I'm saying, right? Chuck just stomped all over your statement. No, he didn't. no, 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 he didn't. Sorry. It was funny, but no, he, she's not Batman. She's not Batman. Yeah, she yeah. she would have been I, Wonder I, Woman even if and 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 Antiope yeah. lived. Like that's yeah, what I'm I stand. Saying. Yeah, JP's com- point is that like she was who she was at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, um, and it didn't take anything to shape her into the hero. Those things happened and they contributed to the story, but they did not contribute to her becoming who she was. Right, she and- was already on that path from the time she was a little girl. Yeah, she didn't do the stuff she did to avenge. Right. Yeah. Them. And you know right. this this Wonder Woman is a mishmash of a bunch of other iterations of Wonder Woman that came before from years before. But I think what's really interesting about it, and you know, people are going to probably roll their eyes at this, uh, especially dudes. But you know, the guy that created her, who they're actually making a movie about, A twenty four, one of my favorite companies, William Moulton Marston. Uh, he created her uh, along with his wife and his girlfriend, and. Uh, his beliefs was that he was a hardcore feminist and he believed that women are just better and that if women rule the world, there would be no war <laughs> and there would be no violence. Uh, and that's where Wonder Woman comes from, from those, from that belief. And I think it, it has echoed through, through, through decades and into this movie, um, how special oh. it is for, 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 for there to be a, a woman to be a superhero and, and for it to be this particular one. So those are my thoughts on the movie. And also Steve Trevor is awesome. Yes. <laughs> yes, very awesome. So th- those I love are that my Chris, thoughts. I, I love that Chris Pine, and I don't want him to ever stop being Kirk. So I hope that... <laughs> no, I, I will sw- say... He was sw- Kirk in this movie. He had some William Shatner moments in that movie, I have to say. He oh, said totally. some lines where like, that sounds like Shatner. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he can shake it at this yeah. point. <laughs> I thought that about Into the Woods, too. But like, there was a moment, because I understand that I understand that one of the casting things discussions he had was him being cast as Green Lantern. Oh, it was yeah. like basically he was cho- it was he was offered he could be Green Lantern or he'd be Steve Trevor and he picked Steve Trevor. Interesting. And there are parts of the movie where I'm like, I kind of I kind of wish I, I'm like I'm love I'm loving you in this man, but I I, I kind of want to see his Hal Jordan man. I I could I could see it, well, but he made a very bold move and he he, he did make he, a bold move and I'm glad he did it. I'm sure he'll be back sometime in the future. Maybe not. In, I don't think he'll be back Wonder Woman too. I mean he I, I have a feeling he'll they'll bring him back. Somewhere along the way, maybe. Well, he, the character's been resurrected numerous times in the comics. Yeah, so, I read about that. <laughs> and um, I, I could totally see there being a thing where um, Aphrodite, like I could see the big reveal being is that the gods are not actually dead at uh, some point cool. in this, and that Aphrodite, 
um, and that Aphrodite maybe has. There's there, there's 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 a precedent for that in the comic. So okay. um, um, anyway, so those are my final thoughts. Do you guys have them that you want to share? I mean, it's awesome. <laughs> I love the movie. The characters are incredible. The story is great. It looks beautiful. Um, it has made at this moment in time currently it has made Wonder Woman like my favorite superhero. I just want to <laughs> see more. Um, I think there's some obvious and deep discussion-worthy uh, uh, symbolism behind the fact that her big reveal as quote-unquote Wonder Woman mm. takes place in a scene of no man's land. Yeah. Um, and I, I just, I, it's just the whole thing. It's incredible. I think that this movie, as far as the type of movie it is, because I'm not saying like it's the Mona Lisa, but I think it's a work of art. I think it's beautiful. You should see it. I think that the the scenes are incredible. I think the way it's shot, I think the choice of director was perfect and dead on mm -hmm. because I think that having her direct this movie led to not having some idiot guy's view behind the camera, right. which is why I think we have the amazing opportunity to see a female superhero who is not sexualized throughout the entire movie, yep. um, but is allowed to just be who she is on screen um, and just the whole thing. Amazing. Go see it. You'll, you'll see. It's, it's just great. Where do you start? Seriously. We've been talking for an hour and we haven't even started. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and, and all thanks to, to Patty Jenkins, a truly wonderful filmmaker. Yeah. Considering that there's going to be a lot of people, we know there's a lot of people out there who, who are probably of a similar religious upbringing as us. Um, who will have problems with the movie because of, the, of its association with that darn feminism? <laughs> um, honestly, the the most the most softball easy like you want to make your like you want to make a you want to make here you go Matt you want to make some money do the gospel according to Wonder Woman now this movie is out and like it, it writes itself for you because the movie itself I think aside from all the great stuff we said about it really really drives home a pretty central christian message which is that love is the thing that will fix the world and right. and that and it's the counter to the sinfulness and corruption of humanity i think um, that i think that was a slam on uh the make the money comment matt was a slam on um how horrible my book did but another <laughs> no, it, no 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 it wasn't a slam it wasn't another a slam i didn't mean that i meant it because you already have a book and so you could write another that's you're the you're the you're the published author another, <laughs> another wonderful book called fix me love them about love and its importance to changing just, hey, what if you just rebrand it as the gospel according to wonder woman i could totally do that just be, throw some wonder woman references in it just keep it the exact same book and then you could also read the book uh, by Eric Fromm, The Art of Loving. But, uh, that's, uh, no, you read the book by Matt Wells. <laughs> or, the, or the Book of Romans in the New Testament. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, and, and one more thought. If this doesn't if, – if by now you're not convinced that feminism is a good thing after watching this movie, I don't have to tell you. I think, I think it makes a good case for it. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, that's all the time we have. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Matt Wells, thank you for being here. Oh, it's nice to visit. <laughs> <laughs> Father Chuck, thank you. Uh, you're welcome. And, and, and you know, I, I, 
I kind of, I, we, we didn't address any of it because of what's going on in Matt's personal life. So we can cut this out what I'm saying right now, but I realized we could have made some low hanging fruit jokes about like, you know, breaking through glass ceilings, like breaking through ceilings because Matt's <laughs> house is getting a new ceiling right now. But yeah, I don't know. Bad, bad joke. Bad. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Moving on. Uh, so thank you so much for joining us. Have a wonderful week and good journey. Good journey. Good journey. This is probably when it comes.